back, everybody, to World Changers. My name's Brett, and I'm here with my buddy, Steven. Hey, yo. And uh, today we're going to be talking about one of the greatest scientists in history, right? Yeah. Um, Maria Sklodowska, or Maria Curie. Proud of you. That's, if you. Listeners at home, look up her last name. That's pretty intimidating last name, so I'm <laughs> proud of you, Brett, for... You know, Thanks. I was just, I only practiced it for like three hours. So, um, so yeah, Marie Curie, uh, a famous physicist and Nobel Prize winner, and we'll just go ahead and dive into her life a little bit. So, the uh, so like I said, she was born as Maria Sklodowska. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it sounds okay. And she was born in Warsaw, Poland. So she's Polish. Oh, man. I don't know why, but Warsaw, <sighs> it just sounds like the saddest, darkest place in the world. <laughs> I mean, in the 20th century especially, a lot of yeah. unfortunate things happened there. So um, she was born on November 7th, 1867, youngest of five children, and born to two parents who were teachers. So she kind of had that academic feeling in her uh, in her family already. Um, her father taught math and physics, which is what she would go on to study. And uh, yeah, her and her mother actually um, died of tuberculosis when Maria Marie was ten. Wow! So how yet strange. Again, another, I've never seen that before. Yeah, never. Oh, are we, are we keeping track of that? We need to like. Like we need to do something where some sort of we graph. keep track of statistics like that. Yeah, it's just unbelievable how consistent that one is. It is crazy. Yeah, we need to get some. Uh, how old was she? She was ten. Wow, that's young. Yeah. So pretty crazy. Um, she was a really good student growing up. She, uh, but she couldn't attend, and I'm kind of jumping to like college age. But it's okay, yeah. She, there was an all-male university in Warsaw. She obviously couldn't attend that. Um, but she, she did her own studying. She was just like super into math and science and physics and chemistry, where she would just spend her spare time reading books about it. Yeah, well, what's interesting is she was unable to enroll in one of these regular institutions, and so she became part of the Flying University, also known as the Floating University. Yeah. So cool. Like this underground uh, Polish institution where she could learn. Uh-huh. Because she wasn't allowed to. So, I mean, we're in the middle, we're at the end of the 18th century and... 19th century. 19th century. And, um, yeah, girls don't have a lot of rights at this time. And it's really unusual for a girl to be as ambitious as she was. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, she she found learning however she could. And really interesting, really cool is that she and her sister Bronia, um, they made a deal where Bronia was older, so um Marie would agree to work and make money to put Bronia through school through college. Yeah, so they found out that in Paris they could attend a university yeah. even if they were girls. Yeah. So, so so Marie made money to put Bronia through college, and then the deal was that Bronia would uh, return the favor once she graduated and put Marie through college. So 
That's what they did. Yeah, that's what they did. It worked out pretty well. So uh, Maria, as she was known at the time, mm-hmm. they uh, she went to Paris, and she went to one of the best schools in the world at the time. And she got the equivalent of a master's degree in physics and in mathematics. Mm-hmm. So to even to today's standards, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's even more amazing back then, considering that she was a woman, and how strange it was for someone to achieve such a lofty goal. Right. So she went through school, and it was called the Sorbonne University in Paris. Um, started there in 1891, so she would have been about 24 years old, and got those degrees in 1893 and 1894, um, physics and math, respectively. 1895, she marries Pierre Curie. Mm-hmm. And he was also a physicist. So kind of a scientific power couple he got there. And uh, they, ended up, they ended up having two daughters, just kind of to round out their family. They ended up having two daughters. Um, Irene was born in 1897 and Eve in 1904. And let's just like keep going through her life real quick. So he ends up, they fall in love and they have this super geeky love where they just research and study together. They're both brilliant. I hear that she was actually more brilliant than he was, which is cool that he could. Well, he, they started off having kind of their own fields of research, Mm -hmm. but then she started making a lot of progress in what she was doing with radioactivity well, she coined that term radioactivity, so it wasn't called that yet. But yeah. uh, but then he decided to just scrap what he was doing and just join what she was doing. And yeah. so they joined up on um, on her her work. So they start working on radioactivity. We can come back and kind of dive into that a little bit more. But one day he's actually walking home. And this sounds absolutely absurd, but he gets run over by a horse carriage? Yeah. What? <laughs> you not see it coming? It might have been going pretty fast. That just sounds crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, he must just not have been paying attention. Just, just you gotta wait for that green arrow or that, you know. The, yeah, you gotta wait for the walk signal. The walk signal, <laughs> that's probably what he did. But he dies. Yeah. So it's really hard for her. So she just kind of goes deeper into her studies at that point. And. She does some amazing things. She wins two Nobel Prizes. Yep. We can kind of dive into that a little bit more. And eventually she dies from what she was studying, which is radioactivity. Yeah. And, well, they theorized that, that that's what killed her. Right. It was called, uh, what was it? What she died from was, here, just have some patience with me, guys, aplastic anemia perfect yeah yeah which is from exposure to radiation which is what her life's work was yep so she dies july 4th go america 1934 so that was her life yeah so she was amazing and just for everyone to realize how amazing she was she's done things she did things that no one else has repeated which is she won two Nobel Prizes in two different... Different fields. Natural science fields, yeah. Yeah. Physics and chemistry. Yep. So she's absolutely amazing. But let's kind of dive back in and talk about how she got into radiology and the study of it and, and sure. her life's work. 
Yeah, so she um, she she sort of built off the work of a different French physicist named Henri Becquerel, mm-hmm. and he was studying the rays that were given off by the the element uranium. Yeah, um, and Marie started conducting her own experiments, which eventually led to and you know she would she would well yeah eventually led to the discovery and coining of of the term radioactivity. Uh, to describe those rays that were given off by uranium, because they were different, a little bit different in nature from from the from X rays. Yeah, so X rays had just been discovered in 1895 by this guy named Wilhelm Rotzingen, and pretty much it was a really kind of magical, you know, almost like wizard like discovery because. There was this substance with nothing. It wasn't plugged into anything. There was no machine, and it was emitting energy, and they didn't understand it. And so that this Wilhelm guy who discovered the existence of X-rays, he called them X-rays because X resembled unknown in math. So it was pretty much mm. unknown rays. But he would cover it. He'd cover his machine um, with like a blanket, and it would still go through and hit this film and, and project something, and, and it would light it up. And so imagine turning off all the lights, you know, and then covering your hand in a blanket and pointing your, your hand at the wall, and it, the wall lights up in the shape of your fist. That's kind of what was happening. Mm-hmm. So they were, like, really intrigued. It was really fascinating. And so this Becquerel guy that you mentioned, he discovered a similar ray, but the properties were a little bit different than X-rays, mm-hmm. and no one really knew what they were. And so it's this, they had this thing of uranium, not sure where he was getting uranium at the time. I heard that his father gave it to him as a gift. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's crazy. Huh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But he had this uranium, and it had, quote, penetrating power, right? So it could go through substances like x-rays could. Yeah. So it's just like it's kind of hard for us to understand, but it's really exciting time. What It's like magic. What yeah, they've never seen on? anything like that Never seen anything like it, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so she she and Pierre continued to research that that radioactivity, those uranium waves. Um, and in their research, they soon discovered two new radioactive elements, which they called polonium, after uh, Murray's home country of Poland, and radium, which seems a little unoriginal, honestly. Yeah. But uh, they Marie, Pierre, and Henry Becquerel won the Nobel Prize collectively for physics um, for that work on radioactivity in 1903. And Marie was the first woman ever to win the Nobel Prize. So then... Yeah, it was amazing what they... Yeah. When they, when they talked about this, so her theory was that these molecules, these, these substances that they had that were emitting these rays, this energy, that it was had to do with the center of, of these objects, the atom itself, and the molecules there. And a lot of people thought it was crazy, and they wanted to see proof, because obviously you couldn't always see these things, you know, and uh, not with the naked eye a lot. Yeah. And so they had to prove it, you know, as science demands. They extensively, to, yeah. yeah. Extensively, and they did a lot of work. And they found that what was happening was 
these molecules were decaying, and as they were decaying, they were releasing energy, yeah. which became known as radiation. Yeah. Interesting fact. Also, they were they did most of the research out of like a a shack or like a little like a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They um, super ghetto. No, they but they had to move to a shack because their laboratories weren't big enough. Yeah. And so they needed something to accommodate the process. So they moved into an old shed, and uh, Curie herself said the space was a hothouse in the summer and drafty in the winter mm-hmm. with a glass roof that didn't fully protect them from the rain. <laughs> and um, after uh, this, I mean, this chemist, this famous German chemist named Wilhelm Ostwald, he visited the shed to see where radium was discovered. And he said, quote, he described it as being, quote, a cross between a stable and a potato shed. And if I had not seen the work table and items of chem- of chemical apparatus, I would have thought that I was being played a practical joke. <laughs> so it wasn't the best work environment. Hey, but it worked out, though. They made it work. Yeah. So what, what she didn't know at the time, despite her brilliance, was the danger of radiation and what it can do and it has the pen- penetrating powers and it can penetrate our bodies and it can alter DNA and cause problems and mutations and eventually led to her own death exactly right and so today actually if you want to look at her notebooks hmm. they're still radioactive Yeah, and you have to put on a whole suit and they're just like beaming with radioactivity in her grave she's actually buried in like an, um, a lead casket yeah. So she doesn't so the waves get stopped, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, she'd like walk around with with just like test tubes with radioactive material in her pockets and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so they win that Nobel Prize in nineteen oh three. Pierre dies in nineteen oh six. Um Marie dives back into her work and in 1911 is when she becomes the first person ever to win a second Nobel Prize and still the first person ever like we said to win two Nobel Prizes one in or one in two different fields so the second one was in chemistry yeah um, yeah and um, oh, I hate saying I'm off to so she won it in chemistry for the discovery of those two elements yeah which is a pretty cool idea I mean, how many elements are there? You know? 100-something. 100-something. And she discovered two of them. Yeah. It's a pretty cool discovery. Yeah. Um, And she, when she accepted the award, so she won it on her own this time. It wasn't shared officially with anybody else. But she honored her late husband and gave him partial credit in her acceptance speech. Really cool. Yeah. We forgot to mention also after her husband died, she took his teaching position oh, at the yeah. university and she became the first female professor at that university. That's right. So she's just breaking all types of barriers. Yeah. She's really inspiring. A few years later, World War One breaks out in 1914 and... Marie began pushing the use of portable x-ray machines, which, which came to be known as Little Curies. Mm-hmm. And that was a, was a huge part of, of yeah, a huge leap forward in medical technology, for yeah. especially for you know, wounded soldiers, and probably saved a lot of lives. Totally. They, also with the radiation, 
radiation has to do with decaying molecules, right? Yeah. Like falling apart. And they theorized that this could possibly cure cancer. Like maybe they could get a little bit of uh, highly radioactive substance and put it inside of a tumor and have it decay. Hmm. But it's interesting today that we use radioactivity to right to try to stop cancer. Treat it at least, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's not the best way to do it. You know, you're pretty much throwing out all the cells with the bad ones. Right. But people, I mean, even modern day hospitals, that's what they do. That's one of the the options you have when you have cancer. So I'm blanking on the name of the what's the treatment called? Chemo, chemotherapy. Chemotherapy. Right? Yeah. yeah, they just kind of blast her with it. Yeah. So during the war effort, she considered parting ways with her medals. Apparently, France put a call oh, yeah. for gold to fund the war effort. What a weird idea! You know? <laughs> Can you imagine getting that, like a emergency text on your phone? You know how like Trump sent that like national text the other a couple months ago? Everyone was like freaked out about that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine if you sent a text that said, "All right, we need everyone's shoes." We're going to war. I don't know. Just something crazy or everyone's iPhone chargers, you know, or like, I mean, gold is as valuable as you can get. Back yeah, they just wanted their money, I guess. And he said, give us all your gold. So she offered to give her two medals for yeah, them to be melted. Like melt them down. Yeah. yeah. And they said no, but then she decided to donate her prize money instead. Pretty so cool. She's just amazing. Yeah. Selfless and just willing to use her talents for a higher cause, which is pretty cool. It's because she's a girl, man. Girls are just better. <laughs> it's probably true most of the time. Uh, yeah, um, just to kind of fill in the the gap, like she died in 1934, we said, right? So World War One breaks out in 1914, but over the next 20, 20 years, she basically um, was, she was sort of using her, by this time she's a celebrity, right? Like yeah. She's pretty well off. People know who she is. She kind of goes around using her celebrity a little bit, raising funds to further to continue her research. Um, she traveled to the U.S. a couple times in the 1920s and uh, ended up establishing a radium research institute in Warsaw. So, pretty cool. She yeah, she used her her abilities for for some very good things. Part of her legacy. There's a cool quote by L. Pierce Williams. He's a professor at Cornell. He says, the result of Curie's work was epic-making. Radium's radioactivity was so great that it could not be ignored. It seemed to contradict the principle of the conservation of energy and therefore forced a reconsideration of the foundations of physics. Hmm. He just said what she did was amazing. You know, it was a huge step for science. Yeah, and I mean, we use... uh, radioactivity itself is something that's used extensively even today you know for as an energy source um, using the medical field obviously to detect disease so the the impact that her work has had um, ever since she discovered these things is it's pretty great and we, we aren't good doing it justice either but um, fun fact in 2009 she was voted the most inspirational woman in science Huh. Yeah. Ever? Yeah. Second place was Rosalind Franklin. Maybe we should do her. Um, uh, what would you say was the defining moment or defining point in her life? I think probably 
if I think of an event that was the biggest event of her life, I think it would be leaving Poland. Yeah. I, I know we kind of backed on Poland a little bit, being dark and scary and next to Russia and stuff, but she loved Poland. And actually, after she started uh, dating her soon-to-be husband, she wanted to go back. She was going to go back to Poland, and then she actually did go back in the summertime, and she couldn't find a job. They still mm-hmm. want to give her a job as a professor, so she moved back to Paris. She got married and started her work. And, it just wasn't enough opportunity back then. Yeah, it wasn't enough, but she loved it there. And so I think just imagining her as almost like a homebody, but having that craving for knowledge and the courage to leave her town, go to Paris. We forgot to mention she didn't speak french very well yeah she didn't have much money either like she she was surviving off like bread and tea yeah that was it there there's legends that she fainted sometimes because she was so hungry (laughs) so i think that step though i feel like for me that's the first step into the unknown you're leaving your home your country your culture your language and you're stepping into a new world the, you know, a country of France with a different language, but also surrounded by all these men. Hmm. And she must have uh, yeah. been judged so much. People must have been so mean to her. You know, what are you doing here? You're not as smart as us kind of thing. Yeah. And the fact that she could withstand that, but then also rise above all of her peers was just amazing. So I think her m- making that decision to move to Paris and study was what do you think you uh, real quick you mentioned the um, like the difficulties she must have faced and it's interesting the uh, during a really difficult time you know like a, a couple of years after her husband had died and around the time when she was being awarded her second Nobel Prize there was a lot of stuff coming out in the press about it, just people attacking her and and uh, there was a little bit of a scandal with, like, she had a relationship with uh, with a married man. Um, but, I mean, we, anyway, we won't go into that too much. But, um, anyway, she was getting attacked a lot. But she had rubbed shoulders and met with Albert Einstein at one point, um, who was a contemporary of hers. And it's pretty cool because he, he actually really encouraged her during, during that really difficult time in her life. And there was a lot of bias not not just because she was a woman in France but because she was also an immigrant she was from Poland she was foreign um, he wrote to her Albert Einstein did saying I'm impelled to tell you how much I have come to admire your intellect your drive and your honesty and that I consider myself lucky to have made your personal acquaintance wow yeah and he said referring referring to the newspaper articles that attacked her he said just don't don't even read that hogwash but rather leave it to the reptile for whom it has been fabricated so pretty cool to see Albert Einstein reaching out and, and helping so cool. one of his contemporaries, one of his colleagues. Who else did Einstein reach out to? Did he reach out to Hitler? Didn't he? He was a contemporary of Hitler's. Yeah, did, did they ever talk? I thought he wrote a letter saying, like, don't do this. He might have. Remember, I thought we read that. It's creepy. Well, he was definitely involved with the... Uh, was it Gandhi? With the uh, creating the atomic bomb. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so what do you think was her... Yeah, so back to... So thinking about the defining moment in her life, I think kind of similar to what you were talking about, but at least related. I I, kind of point to that deal that she made with with her sister. Like That was a huge sacrifice that they both made, 
and really cool that they were able to do that together and make make that deal because obviously that leads to her being able to make the decision to leave Poland and actually have some sort of financial support. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, obviously, but and uh, gave her that opportunity to go and, and get a, a university education and you know kind of propelled her on for the rest of her life. Well, let's just jump in and finish up with a couple fun quotes. Yeah. You want to start? Yeah, sure. She said, life is not easy for any of us, but what of that? We must have perseverance and above all confidence in ourselves. We must believe that we are gifted for something and that this thing must be attained. Really cool. So she said, we must have confidence and perseverance. Mm -hmm. Life is going to be hard. Persevere, be confident, and believe that you have something you have to accomplish. Yeah. Cool. Nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. Cool. You cannot hope to build a better world without improving the individuals. To that end, each of us must work for his own improvement and at the same time share a general responsibility for all humanity, our particular duty being to aid those to whom we think we can be most useful. Be less curious about people and more curious about ideas. She was kind of a homebody, huh? She's yeah, she, yeah. She's she liked reading books. <laughs> uh, I have no dress except the one I wear every day. If you're going to be kind enough to give me one, please let it be practical and dark so that I can put it on afterwards to go to the laboratory. <laughs> nice. <laughs> a scientist in his laboratory is not a mere technician. He is also a child confronting natural phenomena that impress him as though they were fairy tales. That's cool. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about before. Like, it was like magic, what they were discovering. Mm-hmm. When radium was discovered, no one knew that it would prove useful in hospitals. The work was one of pure science. And this is a proof that scientific work must not be considered from the point of view of the direct usefulness of it. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, people were kind of criticizing when they were building these giant tunnels in Switzerland or whatever to, you know, for like Higgs boson and stuff, you know? Mm, yeah. And people were like, what's this for? We're giving you millions of dollars. What are we doing? And they're like, well, we didn't know what the radio wave was for when we discovered it. Yeah. And now look at what it's done. Like we don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> we're not going to know. <laughs> got to discover. I was taught that the way of progress was neither swift nor easy. Maybe one more each. That's all mine. That's all I got. So okay. go ahead. Oh, wow. Which one should I pick? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All my life through, the new sights of nature made me rejoice like a child. That's cool. Another, another back to like childhood, childlike wonder. I got one more interesting fact. Her daughter, Irene, actually won the Nobel Prize also. Oh, yeah. And her, their son-in-law. They have five. Oh, yeah. Well, Irene and her husband, right? No, no. They have, they have five Nobel Prizes between them. That's crazy. I think she has two. Her husband has one. Her daughter has one. And then her son-in-law has a Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. Five. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. nuts. <laughs> uh, so Irene won the Nobel Prize for chemistry in 1935. Yeah, about artificial radioactivity. 
Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, sy- like synthesizing new radioactive elements. So. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Well, she's been one of my favorite people so far. She's really cool. Yeah. And oh, and cool thing! I was I saw that there that Amazon is actually working on a new original series about her life. So cool! So oh, look man. for that. Can't wait to watch that. Yeah. Shout out to our friends at Amazon. <laughs> we work really closely with them. So love you guys. <laughs> Keep it up. All right. Thanks so much for for listening, guys. And uh, catch us next time. We'll look for us on Twitter, um, Instagram at wc underscore pod. I think we got back to all of the comments we had last time if we ever don't we apologize we're working on it we're busy guys you know we got full-time jobs yeah yeah so all right guys leave us comments and uh tell us what you think love you so much later bye